Pray with me. Your heart is the shelter for our weary souls. Your, sh your heart is the shelter for our weary souls. You will not push us away, but clasp us tight into your embrace. You refuse to abandon us, standing by our side all our lives. Time Reaper, you are our hope. When others try to tear us apart, you pick up the pieces making us whole. When we wonder what the day might bring, you whisper, follow me. I will make you readers to, little bruised, readers to little children, bandagers of bruised hearts, lovers of the forsaken, pilgrims who show the way to others. Time shaker, you are our dawn. You appeal to us to set aside all that divides us so we might be one. You send us to proclaim good news, not with silver-tongued sophistication, but with simple words, justice, hope, grace, love, all of which bring light to the shadows. Timekeeper, you are our joy. Amen. Generally speaking, on any given Tuesday, say around 2 p.m., where would you be? What would you be doing? At work? Home? School? Play? Volunteering? Practicing? Napping? Gardening? Generally speaking, it's not a particularly glamorous time of the week, is it? Not a lot happens on Tuesday at 2. Maybe that's the time when a little bored you've gone fishing. I think of my cousin Herman, a retired Navy pilot who flew missions during the Vietnam War. He and his wife Linda live in Florida with their pickup and two boats, actually, one for him and one for her, one they take in the inland waters and one they take out in the sea. They spent a lot of time fishing. When Herman was active on Facebook, he regularly posted pictures and accounts of their fishing expeditions in the lakes and rivers of northern Florida and in the Gulf of Mexico. After a, an active life of service and raising a family, there's something sort of idyllic about adopting as your motto and your way of life, gone fishing. Now, mind you, that is not the way I would choose to retire, personally. Truth be told, I was a disaster as a fisherman. I couldn't even stand to bait the hook, let alone deal with any fish I might have caught. It isn't that I don't enjoy eating fish. I just prefer that someone else catch them and clean them and cook them. I'm not a fan of raw fish. But like our grandparents before, Herman and Linda could probably be found on any given Tuesday around two, gone fishing. Okay, I hear you thinking, get to the point, Pastor. I don't know if it was Tuesday at two or some other 
day and time when Jesus came strolling along the lake shore. But whenever it was, he found Peter and Andrew and James and John caught up in their fishing enterprise. Hey, boys, how's it going? You know, the time is here. Come along now. Follow me. And the text says they immediately left what they were doing and followed. Put yourselves in their boat for a minute. It's Tuesday around 2 and some guy comes strolling by wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and says, come follow me. What do you think your reaction would be? How do you imagine you might respond? So why then do you imagine that Peter and Andrew and James and John responded the way that they did? Okay, my guess is that Jesus was no stranger to these Galilean fishermen. They had at least heard of him, so the invitation was not really out of the blue. Now, we know next to nothing of Jesus' life between ages 12 and 30. The gospel accounts mostly cover the last three years of his life, from 30 to 33, as his ministry grew and flourished. So in the same way, his invitation to the fishermen did not come out of the blue. I don't think his ministry did either. He'd been thinking about it, praying about it, working on it, preparing for it, talking it over with his friends and his neighbors for some time before he decided to act. Most of us don't make major life decisions without considerable thought and discussion with people whose opinions we value and trust, right? I have this picture of Peter and Andrew, James and John and Jesus fishing in the late afternoon on Lake Galilee, then sitting around a cook fire in the late, uh, sitting around a cook fire on the beach afterward, eating from their catch and talking into the wee hours of the morning, sharing their hopes and their dreams for their lives, for themselves, their families, their country. Have you found yourself in just such a situation at some time or other in your life? Sitting around with people that you trust, that you care about, and just talking about what life is like and what's happening in the world around and what your hopes and dreams and concerns are. Sharing with those close to you your hopes and your dreams, talking over what you wanted to do with your one wild and precious life. Peter, Andrew, James, and John had been excited, inspired, thrilled, frightened to hear Jesus talk about his hopes and his dreams, his vision for the future, his growing understanding of God's beloved community, his own call from God. They'd spent more than one night together talking all this through. So when Jesus came strolling down the beach that Tuesday afternoon, or whenever it was, they were not surprised. They were ready. Oh, they had no clear idea of what they were getting into, of what lay ahead, but they were young and they were passionate 
and wanting something new and different in their lives. Do you remember that time in your own life when you were longing for something new and different that you could be passionate about? It only took his announcement that the time had come for them to leave what they were doing and go with him. You might say they hung signs on their boats, gone fishing. Now anyone wandering by would have wondered at the mystery of fishermen who had left their boats and their lake, the lake they had fished all their lives to go fishing. They wouldn't get the irony of fishermen gone fishing not for fish, but for the hearts and souls of people everywhere. See, the time for dreaming is over. The great work begins. Of course, if you think my version is too speculative, robbing the tale of its high drama and the capacity of Jesus to command immediate attention, you might still want to consider that there was something in Jesus' voice, his eyes, his presence, that compelled perfect strangers, working fishermen, to leave their livelihood and all that was familiar to follow an itinerant preacher wandering the countryside, proclaiming, change your life. God's beloved community is here. Tell the tale as you will. Something happened that Tuesday afternoon, or whenever it was, that changed the lives of those four fishermen forever. In fact, the world was changed in that crucial encounter on the lakeshore. Will you come and follow me if I but call your name? Will you go where you don't know and never be the same? Will you let my love be shown? Will you let my name be known? Will you let my life be grown in you and you in me? Peter and Andrew, James and John, they answered yes that fateful afternoon. They didn't really know what they were getting into. They couldn't see where the journey would take them. They didn't understand the full cost of discipleship. They only knew that the spirit was moving deep, deep inside them and they could not stay away. How about you and me? Can you hear the call? Can you feel the presence? Can you see the beloved community coming near? What will our answer be when Jesus says, come, follow? Will you leave yourself behind if I but call your name? Will you care for cruel and kind and never be the same? Will you risk the hostile stare should your life attract or scare? Will you let me answer prayer in you and you in me? See, the invitation is not an easy one, and it may seem especially difficult right now. For some in this country, today, the beloved community seems farther away than it ever has. Imagine those people affected by the gun violence that we named in our prayer time. 
it seems that the beloved community is farther away than it has ever been. I know my cousin Herman, the fisherman, decided he needed to give up Facebook because of all the ill will and trash talk he received as someone who, have, who I believe, having caught a glimpse of God's beloved community of peace and justice, of equity and compassion, of concern for the well-being of creation, was not afraid or ashamed to speak up for what he saw and what he believed. I miss his strong, committed voice in that venue, but I know it's not been stilled. Thinking about this, I remembered a multi-faith service of concern and commitment that we held at the Unitarian Church in Palo Alto on the eve of the 2016 inauguration, remember that, that, that time, in which people expressed genuine fear and anger, dismay and disgust, grief and anxiety at the prospects of the life in our land in the days that lie ahead. Sadly, many of those concerns were fulfilled and even exceeded. At the same time, though, the people in that service held hope and expressed a willingness to engage in whatever actions were necessary to protect the social fabric and enhance the general welfare of all who call this country home. They pledged to work for peace and justice and equity and kindness and civility and compassion the whole world over. For myself that night, I made a commitment to hold safe space for those who were in need of it in a hostile environment. Now, you know I'm not equating the United States and God's beloved community anymore of Christian nationalism notwithstanding that uh, any more than Jesus intended to reserve that status for Israel at that time. They just are not the same thing. Still, as people of faith, as people who have said we will follow or who at least believe we want to follow, that vision of God's great desire for creation ought to inform and shape the ways in which we live our lives in which we respond to political reality and to social welfare. My friend Ananda Barkley, a young queer Presbyterian pastor, reminded us on that Thursday night that in the black church, people say prayers need more than wings to rise to heaven. They need feet to bring about those things for which we pray. Will you let the blinded see if I but call your name? Will you set the prisoner free and never be the same? Will you kiss the leper clean and do such as this unseen and admit to what I mean in you and you in me? Let's take a, a minute this morning, if you will, and um, just um, think about what, what are some of your hopes and dreams for the future of Fairview, for your own future, for the future of this country? Uh, what are some of your hopes and dreams 
that need to be, uh, that you need to put your feet under and not just raise your prayers to heaven on on the wings of a dove. What are what are some? Call out if you have any. Gun control, please. Sensible gun control. What else? Huh? Okay. Okay. More more uh, equity and uh, accessibility to people with uh, physical and emotional challenges that they might be able to participate more fully in life. What else? Healthcare. Yeah, healthcare for all. What else? Mike? Growing the Fairview community. Not just because you need more people in the pews. You're fine the way you are, but you've got such a witness to share. There's so much love and grace and, and goodness here that uh, you need to shout it from the rooftops. You need to share it with anybody who wants to come and be part of it. What else? Anything else? Any hope? How we understand and live with each other. Amen. Any others? Concerns that people have? Hopes? Dreams? I'm going to let Britt preach next time. Um, <laughs> to, to know what my calling is, to know what I, what I need to be doing to put my feet under the good news. Peace of mind for my country and myself. Happiness for all of us and myself. World peace. Wisdom and fairness and dignity for the new administration. Good health. Love and peace and justice. Everybody has access to health care and the medicines they need. Leadership that is a good role model for peace and love in our world. To learn that one does not have to earn or deserve care or sustenance. That these are human rights. For respect and generosity. Looking for reconciliation that we, might, that we listen to one another and respect one another. That we move in directions that benefit us all not just a few on top. Country, love and forgiveness, work for the middle class, no fear of immigrants, justice, higher value system, money does not talk all the time, peace, tranquility, fairness for all, leave no one behind, value diversity, love, peace, and unity. These are just some of the things that people lifted up that evening in their concern for the future. And you've named some this morning. So, so what? So now let us put our feet to these prayers, even as they rise heavenward, committing ourselves to follow the one who calls us always to the realization of God's beloved community in the here and now, not just in the sweet by and by. And to all of the action, commitment, love and grace that that requires. Will you love the you you hide if I but call your name? 
Will you quell the fear inside and never be the same? Will you use the faith you found to reshape the world around through my sight and touch and sound in you and you and me? Will you hang out your own gone fishing sign as we join together to fish for the hearts and souls and the lived lives of people everywhere and for the well-being of all creation? In the words of an old spiritual, all you people now come along. Hear Jesus calling and join his song. He will show us the way to go. So come and follow and don't be slow. Amen.